Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Say Deuteronomy fast, really fast, three times. Oh, that's pretty good. You know, some of you guys are showing off. You ain't got fat lips or southern accent, neither one. Deuteronomy chapter 19. The Lord totally changed this message for service, so I'm going to give you the abbreviated edition. We had a Aaron Strauss had a vision in first service that talked about um, it was like a, a, a wood floor like, like up here, and, and there, was, there was dirt all over the wood floor. And, um, and it was really dirty, and it was messy. And, and some of you had a lot of dirt. Some of you had recent dirt. Some of you have had dirt, and it's been laying there for a long time. And, and, and his basic vision was that the Lord, whether you have dirt in your life that's just recent dirt or whether you've had dirt for a very long time, his word to the church was that the Lord is able to remove the dirt, to sweep it away. And he wanted to sweep it away today. And I thought that was an incredible word based on the fact that he had no idea what the message was. In the the message, in the title for you title searchers, is Jesus is the city of refuge. Jesus is the city of refuge. In Deuteronomy 19, God establishes a city of refuge. And it's a place, as we'll read here in just a moment, where uh, murderers can go for refuge. And they take refuge because they have committed... um, they have not committed premeditated murder. They have committed accidental murder. And there's even an example of how the Lord does it. And he talks about how to build roads to the city and how to make them close by and how many cities and all those kind of things. But there needed to be a, a place of refuge for those who had accident. The reason there needs to be a place of refuge is because it was the older sibling's responsibility that if you know if a, if a brother or sister got murdered, that they would be the ones who actually chased down the murderer or the one who committed the act and bring them back to the elders to be tried. And what the Lord explains is that most oftentimes even though there wasn't a great Western theme, dead or alive, they ended up dead before they got back and were tried in in that city in which the murder actually occurred. And so there needed to be a city of refuge. So let's read this story real quickly, and then I'm going to get to some things. The message actually, um, I want to talk about how Jesus is our refuge and how the Lord wants to remove that dirt. But but there's a part of the scripture that's really grabbing a hold of me for us as a body of believers that I'm going to latch on to a little bit and talk about more than what I had intended originally. Is that okay? 
So let's start with verse 1. When the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you. All right. Let me just read that one more time. When the Lord your God has cut off the nation, nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, and then he gives instruction. The first thing you need to really understand about this passage of Scripture <laughs> is that the Lord is the one who's, who's doing the work, right? The Lord is going out and he says, I've got these areas, these territories for you. And he's about to talk about that a little bit more. But I'm going, I'm going to be the one who does the work. I'm going to bring them to you. I'm going to be the one that does the work. Now, as we go into this, there's an attitude that I think the Lord wants to just remove from you and me. And it's an attitude that's been in the church ever since I can remember. I'm 55 years old. You're young. Amen. Everybody 55 and above go, Amen. <laughs> There's a loud one. Anyway, uh, now I'm all totally off track. <laughs> oh, the attitude. Yeah, that's right. There's an attitude. That was a 55-year-old moment right there. There's an attitude that prevails in the church as if we're going to lose or as if we're losing like this. This is what the Lord, I think, he's coming against this in me, and I think he wants to come, he's trying to get the church to wake up. This is our, this is our mentality. We're going to hell in the handbasket as a nation. That's our thought process. Our thought process is that we're losing. Isn't it? What the heck are we doing? We're not losing. And we're not going to lose. <laughs> Isn't it weird that we've got this little bitty nation called Israel and the whole world is anti-God. And he says, I'm about to give you territory to possess. Right? I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring victory. Little bitty Israel. Little bitty church. Who wins? God wins. Wow. God is saying to us as a church the dirt, the dirt, the dirt, the dirt that you are focused on, get your eyes off the dirt. Get your eyes off the sin. Get your eyes off the failure. Get your eyes off the stuff. And put your eyes on the victor. I've created a city of refuge. Now, when you think about the city, golly, I'm not even reading the scripture. When you think about the city of refuge, you need to think about it as a place for God, as God has made for people to run to. 
people to to get to get rescued at for protection. What do you think about refuge? You think of protection. You think of big walls. You think of safety, right? You think of all these things. It's a place of safety and provision that I'm preparing for you. And so he says, when you go into the land that I'm giving you. Now, first of all, <clears throat> what you see is a process. Right here, when he's writing this, he's given this to the children of Israel, and they have done absolutely nothing. They have possessed not one Thing. Look to the person beside you and say, not one thing. They haven't possessed a thing. Not only that, but they don't start possessing until Joshua gets here. And God is telling them that they're going to possess. I have promised these places that you're going to possess that your enemy and the enemies of God own right now and I've promised these places to you, even though you don't see them now, and even though you're not occupying them now, I've promised them to you. And, and when you begin to overtake them, and when you gain these territories, I want you to build the cities of refuge, okay? God, that's good right there all by itself. Jesus is our city of refuge. God's instruction is this in verse 2. You shall separate three cities for yourself in the midst of the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess. And you shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land which the Lord God is giving you to inherit that a manslayer may flee there. And this is the case of a manslayer who flees there, that he may live. Say that, that he may live. The reason they, they want to provide this opportunity is to give somebody a second chance who doesn't deserve death. Whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in the past, that's the one he wants to minister to. As when a man goes to the woods with his neighbor to cut timber and his Hand swings and strokes and tries to cut down a tree with an axe and the head slips off from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies. What he should do, he should flee to one of those cities and live. He should run there. Lest the avenger of blood while his anger is hot pursue the manslayer and overtake him. Remember, that's the brother or sister or sibling that's coming after him to bring him justice to kill him though he was not deserving of death since he had not hated the victim in time past. Therefore I command you saying you shall not separate, you shall separate three cities for yourself. So how many cities should they separate? Three cities. They're separating three cities. Now if the Lord God enlarges your territory, say that with me. Now if the Lord God enlarges your territory, As he swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers. And if you, and, circle and, if you've got your Bibles open, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I commanded you today to love the Lord your God and to walk always in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself beside the way. Now, what I want you to see about this scripture is that there is a progress. There's this pathway of progress that's going on. Nothing's happened yet. He's saying it's about to happen, and when it starts happening, you need to establish the cities of refuge. 
But then you're going to begin to possess some territory, but you're not going to possess all the territory that I give you. You're just going to possess a partial amount at first. And then I'm going to take you down this pathway of progress, and you're going to begin to take more and more and more territory. You see that? And as you take more territory till you have everything that's been promised to you, and when you do that, you need to set up three more cities of refuge. Now, when he's talking about setting these cities of refuge up, he's talking about setting them up close to you, geographically close to you. And when he says set them up, and what they used to do is, uh, and what the command is, is that they make the road to the cities of refuge um, really nice roads. Now, they didn't have pavement then, but they were instructed by God that these roads should be kept in the best quality condition so that whoever needed to flee there could flee there within a matter of 24 hours. In other words, these, these cities had to be in proximity to every, uh, and reachable from, from every place in the occupied territory so that when somebody needed a city of refuge, they could get there quickly. And there was no stumbling blocks in the way. There was no territory that they had to overcome, that they could flee and they could be successful so that they could live. And those cities of refuge represent Jesus this place of refuge. We need to be quick when we sin to come to the city of refuge. You need to be quick to flee to the city of refuge. Now, I don't think there's any coincidence that it needed to be 24 hours, that it needed to be close, that you needed to be able to... You remember, it says, don't let your sin go down on your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I'm sorry. Don't let the sun. Quickly deal with your sin. And those, those cities of refuge needed to be within striking distance and no stumbling block so that you could bring them to a place where you could live and be justified. And Jesus is that place. It's, not, it's, not, it's amazing to me that Jesus said, I didn't come to take away one punctuation mark from the Old Testament. I came to fulfill it. And we see the person of Jesus Christ in the city of refuge. Now, there's also the avenger of blood. Now, the avenger of blood, really, it has, you know, there's differencing, differences of opinion that it could be Satan is the avenger of blood or it could be that God is the avenger of blood because God, God was the one who avenged Abel blood when King. so you know it could be but here's the deal god is going to bring uh life he's going to bring restoration to you if you go to the city of refuge with whatever sin you have now here's the issue when when you come to a place where where god wants to take territory back in your life where you've got sin or maybe you've made wrong decisions or maybe you've got wrong thinking. Maybe you don't think like God thinks and he wants to get that territory back in your own mind and in your own heart. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to, you've got to make a decision, listen to me, that you need to go to the city of refuge. You see, the first thing that had to happen is that person who committed that murder had to say, listen, I just committed murder. I've got to run to the city of refuge, and I've got a brief period of time to get there. 
before the avenger of blood comes and gets me. One of the biggest struggles that I see in Christendom today is people who refuse to believe that their way of thinking or their way of acting or their way of doing is actually sin. They don't go to the city of refuge because they do not see themselves as actually sinning. And they get to the place where they just tolerate their behavior. They get used to things. They, they camp out there. They, they begin to live there and they begin to get used to their condition. Or their family has always been like this. And so because it has, their, their grandparents and their parents and them or whatever it might be, whatever condition you find yourself in that doesn't look like heaven, whatever it might be, you get used to living there and you don't go to the place of refuge. You don't go to the city of refuge and Jesus says, I want to give you new life. I want to give you a new start. And you can come to the place of refuge and start over. How do you do that? Well, you've got to love me. And you've got to want to do it my way. But you first got to recognize that you need the Savior, the city of refuge. You've got to come to the Lord. Listen, there are, there, there, there are anger issues in the congregation. There are relationship issues in marriages. There, there is addictions in the church. There are, there are uh, ways of thinking and ways of doing and, and just how we, how we perceive things and, and how, you know, what our attitudes are like and how we respond to stuff that just doesn't look like God. How many of you would say that you respond often differently than you think Jesus might respond to something. How many would say that about yourself? Is that sin? You see what I mean? Anything that's contrary to the ways and the doing of Jesus is sin. That is the definition. It's contrary to the ways and the character of God. In other words, it's not going to be the way you think or do in heaven. It doesn't exist there. It doesn't have a place there. It can't be there. So that's sin. So what do you need to do when you sin? You run to the city of refuge. You run to the cross. Now, the cross is that city. It's the place that God established long before we even, he, he had it planned out that the cross would be the place that we needed to keep the road paved to, that we needed to make it easy to get there, that we needed to keep the distance between our sin and the city of refuge close so that when we stumble, not, not, not intentionally sin, but when we stumble and when we accidentally or, or when we fall and sin, that we quickly go to the city of refuge. It's imperative for believers to understand that you cannot linger in your sin. Because you get used to your sin and then sin leads to this and then it leads to this and then it leads to this. And it says in scripture that it eventually leads to death. 
It will eat you up. The avenger of blood will eat you up. He will come and get you, and you'll pay for your sin. But you need to come quickly to the cross and put that sin down. Now, Paul said, listen, Paul says this about sin. He says, so grace is big, right? Oh, thank you, Lord, for grace. Grace abounds, oh, hallelujah. Grace abounds. So because grace abounds, that means that sin can abound, right? Should I sin more if grace abounds? Can I sin more? No. Stop. Just because grace abounds doesn't mean you can continue in sin. And you can't intentionally live in sin. Now listen to this. I see it all the time. I see it with anger. I see it with the way people treat people. I see it with work ethic. I see it in marriages. I see it in, in reasons for divorce or separation. I see all those things. Well, my daddy did it or my mama did it or mama and daddy did it the same way as the kid does is doing it now. And they make excuses for the kid's reaction. They make excuses for the kid's sin even though... It's sin, and they won't call it sin because they did the same exact thing. And they don't want to say about themselves that they sinned. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? And we get in this perpetual road of sin, and we can't get out because it keeps leading to destruction. And we don't go to the city of refuge. And Jesus is the city of refuge. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you new life. He came to give you life to the fullest. It's like you get to come. You, maybe you were in a oppressed communist nation or maybe under Castro's regime or maybe Hitler or somebody that really wants to oppress you and you, you step on the shores in America for the very first time and you go, wow, I've got all this opportunity in front of me. That's what it's like to go to the city of refuge. He's got this abundant life planned for you. He's got territory he wants to give you. He wants you to see the kingdom of heaven come into places that haven't seen the kingdom. That the enemy lives in your life and in the lives of people around you. And he says, I'm going to give you that city. I'm going to give you that territory. You're going to be the one who goes and possesses it. Why? Because I'm going to give it to you. You hear that? That's the word of the Lord. Who's going to take you? You don't have to take it. He will give it to you. How? Love him and do it his way. Quit doing it your way. Quit thinking your way. Start thinking his way. Start doing his thing. When you sin, run quickly to the city of refuge. We live in defeat, anxiety and stress, discouragement, an absence of hope stuck in our stubbornness to come to the cross with our stuff where we can find help in time of need. Isn't that true? Stop. I need to stop. You need to stop. I'm not just talking. I'm just talking. We get, we get lulled into thinking that we've lost. We haven't lost. 
This nation has not lost. It hasn't lost. I don't care who gets in the presidency. Why? Because the church is still in this nation and there's still territory that the Lord has for the church to take in this nation. He's going to give it to us. Isn't he? Wow. I hear people say all the time, my work environment, I'm the only believer there. I mean, it's just terrible. You just wouldn't believe my work environment. You ought to feel blessed. Why? Because the Lord is about to give you territory. Come on. You were sent there by God to get back territory. The enemy owns that territory. But you're going to go take it. Why? Because the Lord's going to give it to you. All right? Or you can roll over and go, I'm defeated. I'm dead. I ain't no help for me. Lord, I'm the only one. That's what we do, isn't it? Isn't that what we do? And the Lord says, wait, you're missing it. You win. You have the power. You have dominion. You say to this mountain, move, and it'll be moved in the sea. You pray kingdom on that stuff. You bring it. Why? Because the Lord wants to give it to you. And when you take that territory, I'm going to show you some more. And you make sure you keep the city of refuge closed. You make sure that, you, that people can see the cross. And you just bring people to the city of refuge. And you take territory. And when you take that, you take more territory. And I'll show you. And I'll give it to you. That's the way the Lord works. The church wins. Quit acting like we lose. We're not losing. We're not going to lose. And we will not lose. Jesus said, I, it is finished. What's finished? Victory is finished. I have conquered death and the grave. So my question for me and for you is what territory is the Lord expecting you to take? What's he trusting with you right now to take? What does he want to give you to possess for the kingdom? Not for your own kingdom but for the kingdom of heaven. What is he entrusting you with? And what, what, what vision is he giving you of what's next when you take this? I love the fact that none of this happened yet. You know, I promised all these promises to the church. When he's writing this, all the promises for the church are promised, but not a one of them. There's not a 
single inch of ground that's been possessed. And then he says, when you possess the first part, then I've got more for you to possess. What promises have you received from God? wonder if you haven't received any of the promises you don't feel like, other than maybe eternal life. Maybe you're just starting as a Christian, or maybe you've just been a baby Christian for a long time. Maybe you've just been six months old for 16 years. That's, that happens all the time. But you had not seen many of the promises. They're still for you, and they're coming. If you'll just commit to God's way, that you'll love God and commit to his way, he'll give you the territory. Did you just hear me? If you love God and you commit to his way, he'll give you the territory. Who needs that today in your life? Do you need that? Do you need territory and relationships taken back? How about your marriages that have places that aren't working? Now, there's every marriage in the place has stuff that ain't working, including the preachers. All of us have places that aren't working that we could do better, that, that things could be more heavenly than they are. Would you agree? Michael's pointing at Bethany. Bethany's pointing five fingers back at Michael. Are you going to give up? Are you going to say the Satan's won? You won? Nothing I can do about it? Been this way for years? He's too stubborn? She's too bossy? <laughs> Every man in here is scared to say amen right now. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's some smart men in here I can tell you that right now we're not defeated that, that's the, what the Lord wants me to tell you today don't act as if you lost you win you're winning you have the power to bring heaven to earth amen once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.